0: Well, this morning, we're going to be continuing our series called Life Together, and we've been looking through the book or the letter to the Philippians. So if you've got a Bible, I'd encourage you to open it up. Uh, and This morning, we are going to be covering two verses, so um, we're making some serious ground this morning. Uh, so if you've got a Bible, I invite you to look at it. We're going to be focusing on verses 7 and 8. Let me read them to you. This is Paul writing to the church in Philippi. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. I can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. I I love these two verses because you can just hear part of Paul's heart. It just like, it leaps off the page. You just, you can see this deep love and affection that he has for this church, this group of Christians. Uh, it's a verse that's really resonated with me even this past week as I've been prepping and getting ready for this morning. Uh, uh, two weeks ago it was a big week in the Evans household. It was my son Beckett's Seventh birthday, uh, and uh, and we wanted to make it a big day because we knew it just couldn't. It's hard when you can't really go out and leave the house. You can't go and be with your friends, and so we were committed to being. Let's make this a day that's going to celebrate him and is going to be fun and full of all kinds of enjoyment. So it was a day just chock full of Lego and Star Wars and sugar. Because, uh, I mean, if you're a seven-year-old boy, what else really matters in life? And I think he had an incredible, awesome day. But there was a moment in that day, or a couple moments, that really were significant for, for me and for my wife, Julie. Uh, and, uh, and those moments were when people from the Forest View community reached out to wish him a happy birthday. Um, It was the phone calls, uh, the people who called to sing to play happy birthday to him. And it was uh, actually this amazing moment in the evening. Uh, We get a knock at the door and we go out and there are three cars from people who have driven all the way and they've done a drive-by happy birthday for Beckett. Uh, and so they've rolled down their windows and we're being safe, social distancing, but they roll down their windows, they sing happy birthday, they have noisemakers and banners and they wish him a happy birthday. I mean, just this moment, I just think about those people who called and those people who went out of their way, drove an hour, cause we still live in Kitchener-Waterloo to go and wish him a happy birthday. People who were just starting to get to know, uh, But yet there's just, in my own life, I just feel this like affection and and just deep love for them. And so as I read through this verse, I just, I'm like, oh, I get it. I get the love that Paul has, or at least I thought I did. (laughs) And then I started diving into this. A little bit deeper. Now, the word that Paul uses, we translate it or the NIV translates translate it as the word to feel. It is right for me to feel this way. Is the verb is a word Fronin in Greek now a few interesting things this is a weird strange word it 's hard to translate into English because when we hear feelings, we often just feel this sort of impulsive it's, feelings are something that just happens you don 't really control your feelings you they just are you just respond to whatever situation, circumstances that person they generate a feeling inside you, and so they're just you just are kind of a slave or captive to your feelings, but that is not the word or, or what Paul has in mind here. The word phronin, another way that we could translate it is to have this attitude or to think this way, to set one's mind on something. Uh, I mean, maybe the best word that we could use would be mindset, have this mindset. Paul's saying, it is right for me to have this mindset, this orientation, this outlook towards you. Now, this is an important word for Paul in the letter of Philippians. He uses it 10 times. And so another place where he uses it just to give a little bit more context is is a verse that we're going to look at maybe in like a couple years in Philippians chapter 2 and uh, 2 verse 5. He says this, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. It's that same word we use for feel, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And in Romans 12, verse 3, Paul also uses this word. And again, it gives us a better picture. What does this word mean? What does this look like? Uh, he says this, Romans 12, 3, 4, By the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. And so if you have a mindset that sees you elevated above everyone else, the word there is hyperphronen. All right, so if you have a person in your life, you probably do, who's hyperphronen, right? Like they just have this high view of themselves, and then but then there's those who have the sober judgment. They have a mindset of themselves where things are in the right perspective. So for phronen, it's two different things. And so when Paul uses this word, he talks about this feeling. It's not just simply this, this, this like impulsive, like, ah, it just sort of happens. Rather, this is an attitude and an outlook towards the Philippian church that Paul has cultivated. This is not something that just simply happens. This is something that flows out of something bigger and richer and even more significant. Back to Philippians chapter one, verses seven and eight. Uh, So he says this, it is right for me to feel this way, to have this mindset about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. Now, Paul is in prison when he's writing this, and he grabs onto all sorts of trial language because the likelihood is is that Paul is going to stand before the court. He's going to plead his case. He's been going around proclaiming Jesus, stirring up trouble, Not intentionally, but that just seems to happen as he goes and embodies and gives witness to the reign of Jesus in the Roman world. And so he finds himself in chains, but he says this interesting thing. He starts to use this language, I'm going to give a defense. I'm going to be confirming. It's trial language, and he's saying all of this is to confirm, to give defense to. It's all about the gospel. It's all about this incredible life-changing message about the reign of God in this world revealed in Jesus. And the thing that's amazing is Paul, he's in chains, and he's the one who's going to stand before the court, but he says, all of this, I'm carrying you in my heart in the midst of it. And this is something that all of us, we share together. Because Paul is speaking to a community that's also going through their own struggles, their own hardships, their own difficulties. And he's saying, just as you're suffering, and and I'm in chains, but he says, I know you're going through hard stuff too. And you are defending, and the way that you're living is a confirmation of the power of the gospel in your life. And so Paul is just not simply focused on himself, rather he's focused on what God, by his grace, is doing in the lives of the Philippians. He says, we're all in this together. I have you in my heart. I know that I'm not alone despite the hardships I'm going through, and you need to know that you are not alone because of the hardships you're going through. We are all in this together. Paul sees himself as part of a larger Story and it gives shape and focus to how he views and understands his entire life. Now, I want to kind of share a glimpse of what that story is that bigger picture about what reality actually looks like for. Paul. I love the way that um, Dallas Willard puts it in his book, Renovation of the Heart. uh, And he calls it the four movements of complete love, or another kind of love that we could use is perfected love or divine love. Love. And so if you uh, have some kind of, or you can, if you want to write this down, it might be helpful. Um, And so here's kind of just in kind of some images to help us grasp this. So the first movement, and I love the way that Dallas Willard uses the idea of movement, because it implies that love is always something moving. It's alive and flowing. And so movement number one is revealed love. Now, we as humans in our sinful nature, we cannot fully understand or grasp, but real love, looks like. For a lo- us, love is a feeling. It's an impulse. It's a response uh, to uh, just say, okay, well, this per- I like this person, or I find security in this person, or this makes me feel good. And so we respond in that way, or at least in most cases we do. But, but Paul begins with this image of this movement of revealed love, the love that we see that God has for us, the love that he has revealed through Jesus, through his life, through his death, through his resurrection. And so that love is Directed and shown to us in Jesus. Now, movement two is our response to that love. And as God has expressed his love to us, we respond as we see just how beautiful and amazing and incredible God is. We respond back in love towards God. Now, interesting thing happens, what, we, what Dallas Willard calls movement number three, shared Love is that as we become more aware of God's love in our lives, as we respond in love to God, we also respond in love to others. We suddenly become aware that God's love is not only for us, but that God also loves all of humanity. That God sent Christ not just to die for us as individuals, but for all of us. And part of being an apprentice to Jesus is about having our loves changed and shaped. And part of being in love with a person, means that you begin to love the things that that other person loves, at least the good things. And so Paul, he's saying, or, or, or Dallas Willard, he draws this out in a beautiful way. He says, as we become more aware of who God's love for us, we respond in love to God. But at the same moment, that also makes us love others because we discover and we realize God's deep love for them is the sharing in the love that god has Now, now the amazing thing is this outflow of god's love in our life as it leads us to love others we see this movement of love expressed in community where love is given and received and shared and suddenly there's no longer this well who's in charge who like who did this and keeping track of who did what Rather, love is just this beautiful expression. And as we become more and more aware of this, we actually become aware of how God's uh, love just becomes the underwriting thing of, of all of that, that God is at work and moving in all of it. And so movement four, as we just call it, the community of love. Back to Philippians 1, 7 to 8. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in, the cha- I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Now, here's the part where it gets really interesting. Because a lot of the time we think we've got love figured out right i mean it's something that we feel we learn about it from the love songs we hear or 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 the movies that romantic movies that we watch or novels whatever it is but but the thing that paul is talking about he doesn't talk about just simply his love for them he says i can testify he says god can testify for all of you because christ's love is welling up in me for all of you i i I long for all of you with the affection of christ Jesus, the sacrificial love that God reveals in Jesus, not just simply a feeling or an emotion, but a constant choice of loving sacrifice. 1 John 3, 16 to 18 puts it perfectly. This is how we know what love is. You think you know what love is, but, but John says, no, 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 wait. You look to Jesus and that's where you discover what real love is. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Uh, Paul talks about the affection of Christ Jesus. Now, I love this word. It's so awesome. Okay? The word for affection is the word splanknon. Uh, and it is the deepest, richest sense of, of a feeling and affection that a person can have for another person. And now the, the thing that's so interesting, Splanknon, in ancient language, it actually means like guts or entrails. Uh, I love the way that uh, that the King James Version translates this particular verse. Uh, look at this, Philippians 1.8. For God is my record, how greatly I long after all of you, or you all, in the bowels of Jesus Christ. So it's like this like deep-seated, deep-rooted, like gut-wrenching love that Paul has. And now here is the thing that blows my mind, because for me, I, I read through this passage, I think about the people that it's so easy to love, the people who drive an hour to wish my son happy birthday, the people who call us, the people who, who send encouraging emails and, and are just building us up. But, but Paul, he says this multiple times throughout his letter. He says, all of you, let me just read through this passage again. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how, long, how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Paul's love, affection, his splank non kind of love, it is not simply selective it is one that he sees as being expressed to the entire Philippian community. To the people who are hard to love. To the people who are difficult to love. To, to the people who, who are maybe annoying. To the people who maybe have different beliefs or different convictions. People who raise their kids differently. To, to the people who always say the wrong thing or always sticking their nose in business where it shouldn't be. All of them. This season of, of social distancing, of isolation, it's interesting. I was having a conversation with someone and he was saying, the, the thing that's been really intriguing to him is that in this time he's discovered who are the people he actually likes to talk to and interact with. How true is that? And as we begin to see restrictions lifted and we begin to kind of return back to whatever the new normal is going to be and we're able to start to be in each other's lives in a much more physical, present kind of way, I would say this, that one of the biggest things that we need to be careful of as a community is that we don't just simply go to all the people we like who are easy to like, but rather are we living out of an affection and a deep love for everybody? And maybe even more significantly is this, is that Paul, he lives with this deep love and affection for everyone. The, the invitation is, is that something that we can do too? Not because we've got the power to love everyone, but Paul sees himself as participating, as God's love flowing in and through him to everyone. Notice that verse, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of christ jesus because here's the thing when it's the affection of nat evans the the love's going to be selective Uh, it's going to be limited to who i want to be loving but but the love of christ jesus when, when we live with that suddenly there's a space there's a power there is an energy for everyone And it's meant to be embodied. It's so much more than a feeling or emotion or just simply a response. Rather, it's this proactive decision to sacrifice and lay down our lives for one another. Um, Stephen Pressfield is an author. He's written a bunch of books and a bunch of uh, some movies. And he has a book called The Art or The War of Art. And it's essentially a book about how do you get be creative like how do you push through even when you don't want to and i love this statement he has because i think that it is a while he's writing it with the uh in the context of how do you write that novel or how do you write that screenplay I i think it resonates for us as christians who want to live as creative expressions of christ's love and affection into this world he simply says this put your butt where you want your heart to be and so maybe the starting place for you is hey Christ sees this person this way? Lord, would you help open my eyes up so that I begin to see them the way that you see them, that I would love them the way that you love them? I come back to 1 John as we transition to communion. Um, And in communion, we are reminded of God's perfect love for each one of us i mean this is how we know what love is jesus christ laid down his life for us and so as we take the bread and as we take the drink we are reminded of that perfect example of love and of the invitation we have to share in that beautiful perfect self-giving love that god has revealed to us And so as you take the bread, would you realize that Christ's body was given for us and that his blood was poured out for us? Would you take and eat and drink knowing that you are loved and treasured by God? Let's take and eat together.